welcome to my art forum. It's time for post-orthodoxy, a show about changing our minds. Yeah, baby. With your host, Dark and Ainsley Sevier. Maybe what they believe about reality isn't all of reality. What? I know, right? We are on a mission to have a better time with more people more often. The question is more how do you can Post-orthodoxy explores strongly held beliefs, how those belief systems divide or connect people, and what might be found beyond those reality bubbles. Keep calm. Don't lose your head. I've got a piece of chocolate here with me because i got anxiety about doing this. Welcome to this neighborhood, neighbor. And good morning and welcome to Post-Orthodoxy. Uh-huh. I suppose it's morning for someone, sort of like that one song, It's Five O'Clock Somewhere. That's right. Uh, hey, look. Hey, look. Post-Orthodoxy has been um, shared live. We're live on the internet. Is that correct? That's true. Right. YouTube.com slash post-orthodoxy, twitch.tv slash the Sevillers, or facebook.com slash post-orthodoxy. You could be watching any of those places if you preferred one Borg over the other. We're also always on the lookout for another place to live stream to oh, yeah. that uh, that we can live stream to because we want those live interactions with our friends and frenemies tuning in. Um, we don't have a guest today. We've had a really awesome series of guests so far in season three. We started out with Fabio Vigi, who yep. is an uh, Italian economist and... Film philosopher. Film philosopher. Teaching in Cardiff, Wales. And he theorized about... You want to say Fabio Vigi's theory briefly? Oh, uh, his theory. This is a professor's theory. This is not my personal theory. His theory was that uh, because the Federal Reserve had printed, uh, I don't know, $11 trillion in 2019... Um, if that money ever hit the street, in other words, us on the street, um, we would have a um, like Zimbabwe style uh, inflation, which would cause uh, the collapse of the U.S. dollar, basically. And so his theory was that the narrative around the coronavirus, not saying the coronavirus is not a thing, but the narrative around the coronavirus was created to put the economy into a coma so they could figure out what their next move was. Apparently it's war. That's something that Fabio has come to um, because he has cultivated in himself the ability to zoom out and look at the big picture Mm. and not just look at how what's happened over the last two years has affected himself or his loved ones or even his countries. But looking at the big picture of what has happened over, say, the last five years, the last 10 years, and even just the last two years in whole, um, he's come to this idea that if you were to perhaps watch a movie about what happened, it would be very easy to think that um, these egregious lockdowns that we put ourselves, that our governments put us through were for a reason, potentially other than limiting the spread of SARS-CoV-2. Because the WHO traditionally recommends a two-week lockdown to limit the spread of a new virus while hospitals catch up and figure out how to treat it, which which we did. Um, and then for some reason they just kept going 
this time. Um, And so why would that be? And that was Fabio Vigi. That was week two of season three. Um, Week three of season three, we visited with Tony Connors, who is um, a local artist and beloved bartender. And we just talked about art philosophy and his experience growing up uh, all over the U.S. and his experience growing up Irish. And he and Dark swapped stories of how hard it is to be an artist. Artist, and what is it? What? What, what is the is role it? art and the state? Yeah, exactly. We never really, really got into that one. No, we we it was like an intro show. It's a hard one. It's like every show is an intro show. Yeah. Uh, week four, we were going to have Evna Omni back as a guest. Uh, he's a return guest from season two. He's uh, got three philosophy degrees and lives in Hawaii. But um, because of various universal troubles, car troubles, and internet troubles, and things like that, he only joined us for the last forty-five minutes of the show. But um, I actually just edited that show, and I can't remember what we talked about. But we enjoyed talking to each other for an hour before he showed up. We did, yeah. We're going to do that again today. And with you guys. Then we interviewed Mark French, who was going to bomb up from Texas to be here with us live in the studio and got partway and ran into a massive snowstorm and seceded that it was probably safer to just go home and join us. It was probably HARP and the weather system out of Alaska controlling our weather <laughs> to prevent him. <laughs> to prevent him from being live in studio with post-orthodoxy. Uh, but we talked was with a good Mark show anyway. about a lot of uh, economics and art and how to think outside the box about mm. what's going on these days. Then we interviewed Adrian Youngblood. Yes. I said, we need to have more women on this show, God damn it. And then we found a bunch, and it was great. So we interviewed uh, Adrian Youngblood, who recently finished and put out a documentary on 2-22-2022 about the story of Kathy O'Brien, who w- grew up in the MK Ultra sex slave, drug-induced, compartmentalization, super spy, child program that the U.S. ran. Ran? Ran? question mark um and was assisted by weirdly a government a u.s government deprogrammer to deprogram herself from what the u.s government had done to her and wrote an autobiography called the trance the formation of america Mm -hmm. don't buy it on amazon buy it off their website because the amazon version is edited and right, then, and you could actually go find out information on uh the twitter page the rn um it is uh, A U Y R N Network. At They're going to be putting out RN more post orthodox content, including some excellent content about alien disclosure mm. or whatever the going term is these days. Uh, right. Not extraterrestrial. Uh, UAPs. Unidentified aerial phenomena. Phenomenon. Could, could not, may could not be, be a physical thing. Might not be extraterrestrial either. We don't know. Could be an unidentified aerial thing here. Could that be lives here. Chinese drones. Yeah. Um, then we went to Hawaii and met the lovely Mahina Alexander and interviewed her. You can catch her show on our Facebook page, mm. YouTube, YouTube page, and Twitch archive. We talked about her experiences in deconstructing her own childhood traumas and some past life traumas through ayahuasca ceremonies and other psychedelic drug trips where she was assisted by teachers and shamans to like do inner work and heal herself and learn things about what her potential past lives might have been. That was really fascinating. It's a good story. And hopefully we'll have her on the show. We did have some interference with some uh, <laughs> yard maintenance people, leaf blowers and, and the, the window, window guy. <laughs> uh, 
It was a lot. It was un- unexpectedly a lot that day. We'll have day. her on again. <laughs> we'll have her on again. Soon. We took a week off, our second week in Hawaii, and when we came back, we boots uh, hit the ground running with an interview last week with Christine Trafford, yes. who is a local Butte therapy massage therapist. She specializes in craniosacral body work and hypnotherapy. And I found out last week, if you are eligible for VA benefits, you can get a referral from your VA doctor to Christine to get... Um, the kind of therapies that might help you overcome the need to be taking opioids or other painkilling substances. Right. So that's fantastic. You said opioids and killing, so we're probably going to get censored now. Painkilling. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Pain-killing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, thanks for those of you that are tuning in to see episode nine of season three, please take a minute and share this episode with three friends. You can either click invite while you're watching the live stream on Facebook and invite some people that you think might enjoy this conversation, or you can uh, keep the video open on YouTube and listen along and send it to a few friends in an email or a few friends in a message. It's nice to be back in the studio and dark and I are going to have a show where we just talk to each other about some of the things we've been learning in the world. Yeah. I've been looking forward. I'm like, when are we going to have a show again where we get to rant about all the pertinent stuff? (laughs) Um, Boyce Brown says, back to the Sacklers. Oh, yes. What does that Uh, mean? uh, The Sackler family, I believe they're the ones that are, um, that's the, the, I believe they're behind the Oxycontin. Oh, he's ready to pick right back up. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've definitely been having a theme. Correct um, me if I'm wrong. In season three of like, who are the overlords on planet Earth? Who's running things? It's obviously not the governments making the decisions. There are financial entities very the, obviously yeah. and openly making decisions that influence how the governments have to behave. Right. And so who are those people and what Black can we Rock, do about it? Blackstone, Vanguard, they're asset managers, and some of the assets being managed are your governments. Yeah, which makes sense. It's, we want to talk about that today. We if you're talk able to zoom out that, and look yeah. at the big picture unemotionally, and that's a lot of what post-orthodoxy is about. We're about cognitive sovereignty, which means continually working on relieving yourself from emotional brainwashing. And if that concept offends you, like the concept that you may have been brainwashed offends you, you might not want to keep watching the show. Yeah, this is our disclaimer. Um, This is fair warning. If you are watching from the beginning, then somewhere in the show, we might say something that makes you uh, clutch your pearls in various ways. Um, Sometimes we say things that are controversial, post-Orthodox, imagine that, Mm, on this show. Um, and a lot of the things that we talk about are exploratory conversations. They're not necessarily endorsements of the subject or the material that we're dealing with. They're exploring questions, which is an endangered thing in this, uh, rampant age of hyper, uh, censorship, which I want to talk about also Mm -hmm. today on the show. So, um, it is, it's an endangered species to be able to have a Greek style philosophical conversation where you just sit down and talk about a subject and it doesn't mean that you endorse it. Right. If you're completely comfortable in your reality and worldview, this show is not for you. If you have an inkling that maybe we could do something to have a better time with each other instead of, uh, living in a constant drama state, uh, you know, produced by the producers. This is our mission to have a better time with more people more often. And you are some of those people. Mm. So whether you're tuning in live or you're going to watch it later, or you listen to the podcast, wherever podcasts are found after the fact, we appreciate you guys and any feedback that you have for us. Uh, we're perfectly happy to keep feedback anonymous. Um, we appreciate finding out that folks have been tuning in after the fact. It's always so much fun to hear about another lurker. 
Right. Um, uh, thanks, boys, for tuning into the show and already getting involved. Woot, woot. Um, Everybody else, hear, drop wanna, a line. Let us know where you're this, listening from. This whole setup is just so we can have conversations with people. So um, we want to have the conversation with you today. Also want to rant a bit because we I don't have to take care of my guests. This guest over here is really happy to be audience to our conversation, so we're going to rant to this lady and to you. Well, and we also, we've decided that we just can't let her talk, really, um, no. because she's even more controversial than we are. So uh-huh. she's just here to hold, hold the framework, hold yeah. the space. She's just holding space for the show. Speaking of censorship, uh, Facebook has knocked me down for another 90 days. Um, so I've got some kind of narc on my profile that keeps reporting things. So they reported something I did in February 16. What they reported was a comment that I made, and I don't know the full con- comment, but the comment that they showed me, and this is why we're spanking you, is I said, the Joe Rogan slash Spotify hubbub is a distraction from the collapse of the narrative. Censorship never moves any society to a better place. End huh. of story. And so then they censored me. For 90 more days. You know, I actually, um, the little oligarch inside me really likes this tactic of bumping your posts down, down. Yeah. rather than blocking you from using Facebook for 30 days. Like right. um, our friend um, Davy Ray Romance is constantly posting shit, speaking out against um, white supremacy and oligarchical right. overlords and other things he feels really passionately about. And Facebook was kicking him off Facebook for a long time, yeah. putting him in Facebook sure. jail. But what I'm seeing more often is people who are having their posts limited in view, which, um, like I said, my little inner oligarch likes that better because for you psychologically, it keeps you wanting to participate. You don't know what's being limited or how Mm. much you're being limited. And you're not just getting out of the habit of using Facebook for 30 days and maybe changing your life. They would lose more people. They would lose more people. So this tactic of just saying, look, we're limiting you. Um, and the flip side of that, unfortunately, we're going to talk about some today is, uh, those of you on Facebook who think that, you know, what people think because of your Facebook feed, Uh, don't actually know what people think because you don't know who you aren't allowed to hear from in your community. Right. You don't know that I've been knocked down unless I tell you I've been knocked down, but you're not going to know it because I can't tell you. Yeah. So suddenly I've just decided not to talk about the most important issues of the day according to your Facebook feed. Mm -hmm. However, the opposite is the case, and that's why you don't see it (laughs) That's why you don't get to hear from him. Um, I'm really excited to talk about a few things uh, today. The one thing I wanted to say about the censorship is the problem with the algorithm, or however they are deciding to knock people down the list, is it has no room for uh, irony, for sarcasm. So we're losing irony and sarcasm in discussing events. And sometimes irony and sarcasm is a source of humor. And humor allows us to laugh. And when we laugh, then we stop taking the thing so seriously and allows us to see the thing from a different perspective where we're not emotionally entranced. Now, Humor is really important. Yes. And when you have an algorithm taking out irony and sarcasm, you're reducing two major tools that humans have to understand what's happening in their environment. And I think it, it's a bad it's a bad direction that we're heading in as long as we allow the algorithm to, to decide what kind of a reality is being created for you in your feed. Now, children having to hide in the subway stations with their mothers yes. is a very serious issue. Absolutely. It's very serious. And if you don't feel an emotion about that issue, you may be struggling with sociopathy or psych- psych- psychopathy. Right? Humans should feel things about serious stuff like that. But when we allow ourselves to only exist in a state of emotional 
reaction to an event, we cannot make clear decisions about what to do about it when you're acting out of emotions. And what humor does is it provides a buffer between extremely strong emotions and the thing causing the extremely strong emotions. You can laugh about a skinned knee after the fact. After the fact, and right. not be traumatized long-term right. by that thing. If you have a parent that helps you when you have an encounter with a dog, you can find a way to laugh about what happened and how maybe you shouldn't run at a dog you don't know with a handful of balloons running behind you. You know, you can learn how, see? You can learn how to laugh about it after the fact instead of being traumatized forever because a dog nipped at you. Sad dog ever, forever. Forever, never dogs for that child. Yeah. Um, humor gives you a buffer between serious, emo strong emotions and serious events so that we can make clear decisions. I'm not advocating that all of humanity turn into Spock, but we do need some balance. And that's what Spock represented in Star Trek is the balance between logic and emotions and how to make decisions from an emotional place at right. the right time right. and how to make decisions from a logical place at the right time. And we need a little bit more logic these days because social media is feeding all of us emotional event after emotional event after emotional event. And if you don't react to it, it means you don't care. And that's false. Right. Uh, that's all the things we want to talk about in the show. I guess we're already talking about them. I do have some references to start us off. Deb Lynch says, clutch your pearls? Well said. Perhaps <laughs> governments are integral to the corporate agenda. Huh. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. Um, I want to zoom out a little bit, though, because people are like, what do you think about the PSYOP in the Ukraine? What do you think about, uh, you know, the data release Which from is Pfizer? Like such an honor because people are like, right. hey, you guys think about this shit. What, right. what do you think? And we're like, oh, God, Ukraine, I don't fucking know. <laughs> what about the, the fact that Pfizer dumped a bunch of documents that revealed a bunch of information that we've been talking about for a long time that we were censored for? Um, and somehow that has not made it into the news. Of course not. Somehow that hasn't. So and people are like, what do you it, think about that? Right. Even so, if it did, I don't think that people would be able to do anything about it because so many people have been trauma locked into this story. Trauma locked is a good word. Trauma locked. Yeah. Is uh, that your word? Did I just, you just made that, that up just now. Okay. I'll look it up and make sure somebody else didn't say it first. All right. Uh, fuckery is also apparently, <laughs> I've, I've been credited with that word. Somebody, uh, uh, fan of the show said, uh, Joe Rogan used your word fuckery in oh. his show and he sent me a link to the thing. And I'm like, I don't know if that's my word, but it is my word of the year. Uh, fuckery. fuckery is the word of the year for uh, Dark Xavier. So uh, I ran across this cat on Twitter called The Ethical Skeptic. And I went and found his webpage or her webpage or their webpage. We can say know. there until we know. Yeah, and on their webpage called TheEthicalSkeptic.com. Um. And I found this article called Disinformation Versus Misinformation. And neither has to do with intent, is what he's saying. That's what the ethical skeptic says? That's what he's saying. I feel as though all the definitions that I've read of misinformation versus disinformation, it's specifically misinformation mm -hmm. is when I accidentally share information with you that's incorrect. Mm -hmm. And disinformation is when I am deliberately misinforming you. Okay. What, I... it, what does the ethical skeptic say? Well, he has some really. This is this is not this is not one hundred and one. This is not a one hundred and one page. This guy uses words that I have to go look up all the time. So, um, but I wanted to wade into it because you're a very smart person. Okay. And I want to read some of his stuff, and then you tell me what you think he's saying because I feel like what he's saying is smart. All right. But I don't. I think it's the kind of stuff that you have to sort of 
read three or four times before it sinks in. So I want your perspective so you can help me figure out what he's saying. Um, the article says uh, disinformation versus misinformation. Uh, neither has anything to do with intent. This was posted on March 10th, uh, 2022 by The Ethical Skeptic. Um, before we go into The Ethical Skeptic, we can look at uh, their webpage. They have their story, their charter, testimonials, and contact information. Um, I What I found interesting on their page is he's breaking down why he started uh, this page. And he has a quote here where he says, Ethical Skepticism in reality, is nothing more than plain old skepticism. The modifier is employed as an artifice in order to highlight our current syndicated form of pop skepticism. Pop skepticism versus ethical skepticism. Abused to control the direction of science and governance. Right. It is not a claim to virtue, personal or otherwise, as ethics are antipodal to virtue signaling. So anyway, you get an idea where he's coming from, and his uh, his his uh, phrase, his um, moniker that he has for the um, ethical skeptic website is "epoche uh, vanguardis gnosis." Some Latin there, um, Greek, I think. Uh, anyway, uh, something epoche means knowledge. Yeah, epoche means um, it's an ancient Greek term. It is a technical term typically translated as suspension of judgment. Okay. And then vanguard, we know what vanguard means, sort of like the advance of Sus- something. Suspension of judgment. Or withholding of assent. For the protection of knowledge. For the protection of knowledge. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that's the... That's, I like that. That's who we're dealing that's with. That's what we're trying to do on post-Orthodoxy all yeah. the time is allow our minds to be malleable or um, not even malleable because that implies that someone could come in and squish your mind, which they do all the time. Squish. But allowing your mind to be flexible enough that you can hold opposing views in your head at the same time and consider which one is the best one. So withholding judgment for the protection of knowledge means instead of just hearing a factoid or an event or an opinion or a perspective and latching onto it as if that's obviously the truth, perhaps because you trust the source or perhaps perhaps because it aligns with what you already think is going on in the world, you remain, you withhold judgment for a while. This is, this is the wisdom of age that we're always told about. You withhold judgment for a second until you hear more sides of the story, whatever the story is. The ethical skeptic, the they that they are. Um, this is the beginning of, the, of the, the, pre, the, the preface to this article. He says, the social definitions of misinformation and disinformation suffer Wittgenstein contextual error. Uh, we have to go find out who okay. Wittgenstein is. Wittgenstein was a, a Ludwig Joseph Johann Wittgenstein, was an Austrian-British philosopher who worked primarily in logic, the philosophy of mathematics, the philosophy of mind, and the philosophy of language. He is considered by some to be the greatest philosopher of the 20th century, if you don't know who that guy is. Wow, I've never heard of this guy. See, this is why this is why I like this guy's page, but like, I just can't go drink a glass of water and read his thing. I've got to like open up 12 tabs and put a murder right. board up to connect all the stuff. <laughs> but I'm going to try to wade into it and tell me what you think. Um, the social definitions of misinformation and disinformation suffer Wittgenstein contextual error. They are disinformation themselves. 
One should notice that despite an expansion of such terminology and knowledge, nonetheless, people grow more ignorant and gullible each decade. This is exactly how disinformation works. So he's, say, he's saying basically the more that we talk about misinformation and disinformation, the more misandist we are. The more we talk about misinformation and disinformation? Okay. The more yeah. that it enters into. Um, and we've talked about this on a previous show where the BBC had this true news initiative, or I can't remember what the name of the thing is, where they basically said misinformation is not necessarily untrue. It's not false information. It just means it doesn't go with some narrative that is being promoted. So well, the, it's the, missing the, the narrative, but maybe yeah. not untrue. The BBC specifically released a statement in partnership with other news organizations saying that misinformation means information that does not match the, the, the story that they are trying to put out. So... That's shocking and alarming and should give people pause. That's, uh, if you want to look it up, you can Google the BBC Trusted News Initiative. Now, you're going to get the BBC talking about how they're getting beyond fake news. But in their definitions, what they're doing is tightening a narrative. So anything outside the narrative is misinformation, whether it's true or not. So... Uh, this guy goes on to say, or this person goes on to say, the 10% lie is much more effective than the 100% one. While misinformation deals in lies, disinformation deals in facts. Fact-checking, therefore, is a favorite pretense of the disinformant. Say that again? Oh, which part? Fact-checking. Uh, Fact-checking, therefore, is a favorite pretense of the disinformant. Because the 10% lie is much more effective than the 100% one. He says, while misinformation deals with lies, disinformation deals in facts. This is what I noticed going all the way back to the 90s when I was a, just a young budding conspiracy theorist before I graduated to being a conspiracy analyst. What I realized back then is when a story comes out, let's say it's about uh, UFOs at the time or, uh, or drug information that is counter to the governmental narrative Maybe or LSD doesn't historical uh, data. So like when something, or like let's say a conspiracy theory, like um, Kennedy was somehow killed by a magic bullet. So when these stories come out that, Hey, the story that you thought was true, the official story isn't true. And here's information proving it. Then that information is then spread by disinformants, adding other information to make the true information look like bullshit. So they add 10%. Sprinkle aliens on top or something. That makes you think, well, obviously I don't believe that part, so the rest of this is probably suspect. This is disinformation. So this is what uh, this guy's dealing with in this article. And he has some interesting definitions that I haven't really seen before. Um, because Google and Wikipedia has become highly suspect. Wikipedia has become really trying to find uh, Trying to find uh, objective information. Without some sort of narrative or avenge, uh, uh, agenda going on. Um, so, the article says, There exist six states of wrong. Every state is defined below, along with its Wittgenstein identifier in parentheses. Oh, Wittgenstein, not yes. Lichtenstein. Wittgenstein. Wittgenstein. But before we outline these definition delineations to a Wittgenstein level, however... It let's briefly examine uh, the principle I learned in my intelligence days. So this guy apparently used to work for U.S. intelligence for the Navy or something. Mm. 
Uh, once detected, or says he did, or says he did. Uh, once detected, a ten percent lie, disinformation, is much more informative than a hundred percent lie, which is misinformation, as the latter is merely incorrect. The former often identifies the focus of the propaganda, and the latter most often does not. This added focus is not intent per se, but rather additional intelligence embedded inside the information itself. It is a status of the information, therefore, and not of the person carrying it. All right, you want to tell me what you heard there? (sighs) Better read it again. Yeah, I'm going to read it again. Yeah, read it again. Um, Once detected, a 10% lie or disinformation is much more informative than a 100% lie, misinformation. As the latter, misinformation, is, or... Yep. Yeah, is merely incorrect, the former often identifies the focus of the propaganda, and the latter most often does not. This added focus is not intent, per se, but rather additional intelligence embedded inside the information itself. It is a status of the information, therefore, and not of the person carrying it. All right. So this isn't easy. Yeah. One of the things that's coming up for me with that one is... Disinformation, it's making me think of the fact checkers on Facebook. Yes. Where we would post something, um, Pfizer paid off the biggest lawsuit ever. Criminal fine in history. Biggest criminal fine in history for medical malpractice and And fraud and and medical injuries. Yep. Um, and then they th- Facebook slaps a fact checker on it that says misinformation, misinformation, fact check, or partly false. Right now, the problem with that is that most people we know this never click those links. Most people don't click the articles that they share around. They usually just share things based on the headline. Right, and so psychologically, what happens? when a fact checker pops up and says, actually this statement that Pfizer paid the biggest fine in history for criminal malpractice in medicine and fraud um, is partly false. They're like, Oh, well guess I better stop trusting everything. Dark posts. Yeah. You know? Because he, I better he be keeps a little, getting these warnings. He keeps getting these warnings. But if you actually click that fact checker article, what they've done is they have pointed out one tiny thing that's wrong, which is that Pfizer paid the most money out for fraud and criminal medical malpractice over time of any organization. So it's it wasn't just one, one payment. Payment. Yes. It was that amount, like $2.7 billion yep. in criminal settlements. Yep. But they had to pay over like three different court cases. And so that fact check article is a disinformation agent itself because it's telling, it's making you think that information is false. But what they're actually doing is nitpicking Mm. one tiny thing that was not said perfectly accurately, which undermines the validity. That's what that, this this first contrast that um, ethical skeptic has brought up made me think about. So I have a lot more uh, ground to cover on this on this thing but i wanted to read maybe some disinformation uh his 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 definitions of misinformation disinformation and the one i like he he does on propaganda so uh, uh the definition of misinformation latin miss bad or wrong a state of holding information which is bad or wrong 
This can be the result of both intent or non-intent. Misinformation? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, disinformation deals in facts purported, uh, pr- uh, proposed to a state of one being uninformed as it gives one no actual salient or critical information at all. Disinformation is chewing gum, which the consumer thinks is actual food. The disinformation, of course, does not want to be caught lying, and misinformation can be detected as a lie. Fact-checking, therefore, is a favorite pretense of the disinformant along with misdirection Mm. applied to ignorance or authority debunking or tagline memorization. It's intent, Tagline memorization. Right. Its intent is to make the recipient appear artificially rational or correct before others as long as they accede to it so that the notion being passed can spread more easily. It is fabricated so as to be harder to detect than mere lying. It is fabricated so as to displace the existence of usable information and create an intellectual vacuum. I like that last sentence. Say that again. Disinformation is? Um, It is fabricated so as to displace the existence of usable information and create an intellectual vacuum or the absence or without. This is why so many of our friends and neighbors are saying, I just don't know what to think and I'm really tired. I just don't don't know who to trust. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do I don't want to get involved. Uh, It's too complicated. I can't trust anyone. It's because of these active disinformation campaigns to discredit any information that goes against what's being blastissimoed into people's heads all the time, Mm. which leaves people feeling like, I know I don't really want to trust the mainstream news, but Facebook and the internet are telling me not to trust any of my friends sharing alternative information, so I don't know who to trust, so I guess I'll just listen to... NPR and do my best. Right, NPR is pretty good. They're I'll just not, do my best. They don't have commercials with Cheetos, so I'm sure they're fine. Yeah, unfortunately not. Um, so that's his. That's him breaking down um, misinformation. Um, okay, so I got those two wrong. Uh, misinformation, uh, where I gave the definition, and then I was reading disinformation because that was the. Um, I got this out of order. Uh oh. But I said it, disinformation in there. So let's uh, look at um, the definition of disinformation. Uh, A state of being without information, a vacuum created by a spun fact, which is superficially, irrelevantly, or partly correct, and distracts the recipient into not being aware that they hold no actual salient information at all. This is almost always intentional. So that's disinformation. So he Uh, is talking about intent. Yes. Um, And his... uh, his description of misinformation before the definition is misinformation deals in lies proposed to a state of one being ill-informed as it gives one wrong information. Its intent is to injure or make the recipient appear as if irrational or error-prone to others. So if I label something you share as misinformation, misinformation, I'm undermining people's ability to have confidence in anything you say. Right. Because you're so stupid, you couldn't tell that it was incorrect information. So the fact checkers on Facebook are actually misinformation agents. Yeah. We've talked about who's funding the fact checkers. Often the fact checkers they, they uh, have been uh, using are directly funded either to 
pharmaceutical companies are directly linked to military industrial complex funding. Who have vested interests in keeping people's thoughts in a particular avenue. It's very true. So Stone yeah. Street Media has been going crazy um, with a whole thesis that is in line with what you're talking about. I'm going to read this last part of this his description. Okay, I didn't know how much longer we It's had. okay, it's only another sentence. Okay, um, often uh, misinformation is fabricated so as to be detected at some point in the future when it will serve to discredit and harm the most. It is a form of poison information. Say that again? Uh, often disinformation is fabricated so as to be detected at some point in the future when it will serve to discredit and harm the most. So they specifically put out something that they know is not true, that will eventually be shown to be true, which will harm people and their ability to trust anyone further because they believed it for a while and found out later. Such as, for instance, last year, the U.S. government just what we might say, quietly admitting they absolutely have been in contact with aliens and absolutely have been researching alien tech. Mm. After decades of telling people it was not true. Yeah, it's not true. So You're crazy. That's something that makes people feel sick. Uh, we're going to get into that later uh, with the Adam Curtin's documentary, Hypernormalization, the concept of perceptual uh, destabilization. Yes, which is something we talk about on the show a lot. Um, we can take a break, and, and what, what's Stone Fruit Media have to say about the story? All right, so going all the way up here. Yeah. Stone Fruit Media. The Department of Homeland Security, National Security Council, FBI, and the rest of the alphabet soup agencies set the general parameters of our threat environment, but they let civil society, many of whom used to be really fantastic, like Southern Poverty Law Center, Anti-Defamation League, and the American Civil Liberties Union, identify the malefactors who work with big tech, like Apple, Amazon, Google, YouTube, Alphabet, Meta, Facebook, Instagram, Intelligence and corporatist Democrats as agents of the donor class. Donor. To donor class. Yeah, donor money. I know. Oh, you said donor. Sorry. Carry on. <laughs> Sorry. I, I know he's not talking about the donor party. That's spelled with two N's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the alphabet soup government lets civil liberties institutions, which should be awesome, identify threats in cahoots with big tech, such as Facebook, Apple, and Google, in order to de-platform people like Julian Assange, Alex Jones, Zero Hedge, Chapo Trap House's subreddit, um, RT, which had marginalized anti-war voices on it, like Lee Camp, Chris Hedges, and Abby Martin. Um, and financial tech blocks their access to money, PayPal, et cetera, with Assange, GoFundMe, and PayPal blocking fun financial uh, access to the Canadian Freedom Truckers, and Visa and MasterCard blocking financial access to the entire Russian nation, which ironically just led the entire Russian people into China's union payment Union pay payment rail, linking their access tighter together, the access which will supplant the collapsing American EU NATO <laughs> empire. Big tech can even gang up on and exercise entire platforms because they are double plus ungood, which is a quote from Orwell. Mm. Like Parler, which was an attempt, uh, sidebar Ainsley saying this, Parler was an attempt by a group of various demographics to create a social media that was not algorithmically fucked with. Yeah. Because Facebook is not letting you know what your neighbors think. No. Facebook only shows you what will keep you on Facebook the longest. And mm -hmm. it only shows you things that keeps you thinking as close to what 
big tech and big government want you to be thinking. And Parler was an attempt to create a place that at least people could just be honest on and hear what their neighbors honestly thought. Facebook is just showing me a bunch of ads of tricks to get women's boobs to look bigger. Yeah, like that's, that's, cups and pads and always, corsets. There's and a lot of women doing this on my Facebook ads. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry for you. That's why I stay on Facebook. <laughs> they know how to keep you. Um, so the Sackler, Stonefruit Media continues, the Sackler agreement with the states gave themselves criminal immunity and immunity from all future prosecution. Back to my conspiracy theory crescendo. All of this just fine-tunes the process by which the donor class, 0.01% of neoliberal ghoul overlords, now Ainsley would insert here, I believe the donor class is post-political and only ascribes to political alignments in order to keep their citizen voters happy. Right. I think neoliberal is uh, something that's really distinct from the idea of a liberal or a progressive liberal. Mm. Neoliberal is a pol- is a philosophy that um, destroyed liberalism. Gotcha. Anyway, we can we can yeah. look that definition up later. So, uh, all of this, uh, the government allowing formerly beneficial social justice organizations to identify bad guys to get platforms such as social conversation platforms and social funding platforms to disallow people that they don't want talking to have any access or agency. Mm. So all of this is just fine-tuning the process by which the donor class will eventually deplatform, control the money of, and the ability to participate in society of anyone who dissents from the Klaus Schwab World Economic Forum perma-war happy talk with digital federal cryptocurrency and a Chinese social credit system. That seems to be the story I've been following. That image of what's going on on the globe, if you zoom out yeah. and get beyond your feelings as an American or your feelings as a British person or your feelings as a Russian, if you like zoom out and look at what's going on on the planet, that right. seems to make a lot of sense. That I, seems to be in alignment with what's actually happening. It feels like a like a like some sort of game, like a mystery game, where like as a human on the planet, you have to like get out of the room of being a kid. And then you have to get out of the room of being like an American adult, mm. Republican. And then you have to get out of the room of being a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And then you have to get out of the room of like, hey, wait a minute. We're beyond all these little divisions that make us hating each other. And we're actually one planet with one group of people that really would rather have a different direction take place than the small number of assholes who are running the show. Yeah, I think all of the citizens on the planet in general, all the citizens of every quote unquote country, actually want the same things. Yeah, maybe to have a better time with each other more often instead happy. of just living in drama all the fucking yeah. time. I think I think you could ask any neighbor on the street, what do you want? You want to be happy? You want to be healthy? You want to be able to take care of your family and you want to have a good time with your friends? And hopefully your kids will have a better time than you did. That's yeah. the goal. Is you want your kids to grow up in a world where they get to enjoy the things you did and maybe enjoy more than you did. But instead, yeah. and this is something I want to get into further on in the show, we're dealing with things like the fallacy of relative privation, mm. which is where you have to feel badly and use up all your energy feeling badly for other people in the world who are suffering instead of doing anything to benefit yourself and your family and your community because your energy is all spent feeling badly for stuff going on somewhere else we're going to talk about it we're going to talk about it yeah just cut to that right now oh well thank you so much to yeah. stone fruit media for that amazing breakdown the great reset he adds at the end right which yes we've been talking about since the very beginning early days of the coronavirus pre, story pre-2020 election yeah it's true yeah. so um 
Yeah, thanks so, for that breakdown and yeah. thanks for joining in the conversation. This is why we have the chat bot up. I'm glad that we uh, don't have a guest today so we can actually have some interaction with mm-hmm. our, our people online. Do today. you, does anybody listening, uh, future or present or potentially past, I don't know what's coming mm. in the future past, um, have an idea, have an image of what's going on globally that's different than what Stonefruit Media laid out? Yeah. Send us is a there message. a better story? Is there you got another story? Not a more cool story. No, or a I didn't mean better. Story. An- another story. A another story that you think is more accurate. Can I really want to play the video of that comedian girl? Oh God, I really don't. I, can we play it at the end of the show? Maybe. Maybe we just reference it. Yeah, it's, I it's, think I can share it for people to look at, but I don't know if I can put that into my eyeballs more than once. I know, it's rough. Because uh, I signed up to her page, and I look at all her, and she's doing this for everything. She's mm-hmm. got all these other rants, and I kind of want to hear the rants. She I like the like, novelty of that one thing that she did, where she does interpretive dance to break down basically what Stonefruit Media is saying over weirdly here. Weirdly aggressive interpretive dance in order, to keep, <laughs> in order to keep your attention on important information that is factual information that you aren't allowed to hear about. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's a great piece of art you want to know what i think is interesting but i don't want to watch it twice either my restream chat bot yeah is not putting his final comment up on the screen oh yeah the great reset comment oh that's interesting yeah everybody's definitely caught up with it but go over here i'm gonna look at it on my facebook page i can see it wow i don't see any of um conversation so speaking of Oh, because it's... Fallacy right. of relative privation. Yeah. So, let's see how I can do this. Here is something that's going on in your environment, right? Okay, what are you doing? Are I'm, you pulling up those... I'm pulling something up, and I'm, gonna, I'm zooming in on it. Okay. Because this is something... There's something happening with this war. Yeah. So, country A starts bombing country B. That's happened right. a lot over the last 150 years. Sure. That's happened a lot. We can all acknowledge this happens a lot. Country A starts bombing country B. Especially if you live in America, it's a very common story. Now, usually it's America that's country A bombing country B. Mm-hmm. And people join the American army to go help with the bombing of country B. But for some reason, and I don't remember experiencing this, even though I've been aware of several wars over my short life, for some reason, there's a thing happening where country A starts bombing country B, and then people go and join the army of country B to try mm. to help protect them from the bombing. Yeah. That's bizarre. Like, I'm not saying that in a sociopathic kind of way, and I'm, re- I'm, I'm open to under... I, I definitely understand the hero complex that we have here in the U.S. Mm. We're... we're, we're um, spoon-fed superhero narratives constantly, and we're told that we're the safest, strongest, healthiest, greatest, um, godliest nation on the planet. So obviously we're the best big sister on the playground who should go help everyone. But why, like I even understand, I understand that mindset. I grew up in that mindset. Mm. But why are little, not be derogatory, why are, Caring and well-meaning Americans joining this country's fight against being bombed, but not any of the other countries' fights against being bombed. And Uh, no one's asking why. A common theory on that is because the people who are getting bombed look white and European. 
Ugh, I've heard that. I, I guess I, I keep hoping that there's some other reason. Like, don't countries... Well, defi- and- it's definitely support for Ukraine is an engineered trope. In the beginning, all there were, I saw all these images. media is giving people to care about. I saw a ton of images that were coming out, supposed bombings in the Ukraine, and all these photos were from the war that's been going on since 2014. Stuff. Some of these photos were like five years old that were being passed off as what was happening in the Ukraine right now. Right, but these and are, that's what got everybody to start putting yellow and blue flags all over. It. And it was a bunch of bullshit photos. Even though it's been going on for like eight years, mm-hmm. this war in Ukraine between Ukraine so and Russia took all those images of eight years yeah. and said, "This is all happening this week." And we should be alarmed that we are only allowed to care about it now. You didn't care about it before, not because you don't care, but because you hadn't heard about it. But now that you're hearing about it, your energy is going into thinking about it and caring about it. And that keeps happening. It's going to keep happening. Right. You're going to keep being made aware of something that you should be caring about. It's like they put trauma hooks in us. And that's like the scary part of social media. And they just keep dragging us through triggers to keep the trauma state in yeah. action. And coronavirus was a big trigger for a lot of people. And the, this, this, She's got to keep scooping in more fish. The reaction to what's happening in the Ukraine is uh, undeniably, you know, an engineered reaction. Yeah, and uh, it feels like is is just the exploitation. They're just exploiting people's, people's trauma traumas that they initiated. And when I say they, the narrative, right. the story that's been rolling out for at least the last, I'll say, the last concentrated two years of story have been highly engineered, meant to deceive. And we've been talking about that for two years on this show, so I'm not going to drag all that stuff out. You can go back and watch any of the old shows. Yeah, um, it's all public record. So um, here's an Instagram post from somebody that I follow, a trauma account that I follow, a trauma-aware and therapy account. And I am Haley K says, it's okay to feel all at once these things. And it's a pie chart. And the various pieces of the pie are labeled proud of yourself and your accomplishments, devastated for what people are going through, ashamed for not knowing more or knowing the right thing to say, hopeful that we will come together and help one another, angry for what's happening in the world today, unsure if you're doing enough or if it will even make a difference, grateful for what you have, anxious for what will happen for others and for yourself. Mm. Now, Mm. I agree. That would be a complex person. I agree that it's okay to feel all of those things. Right. I am sad that we have to say that. Because what this pie chart is evidence of is a widespread feeling amongst well-meaning people that it's not okay for me to feel happy and well because other people are suffering. Right. There's a martyrdom complex. Well, martyrdom is like when you willfully go and sacrifice yourself. Right. This is something else. This is... People who are caring and loving getting bitch slapped with global suffering and having their well-being suppressed by something they can do nothing about. Oh. Yes. And did not choose. You did not choose a month ago to start researching Eastern Asian politics. You didn't choose that. 
you didn't like wake up from your lockdowns and go back to work and finally start doing some of your normal shit again and be like, you know what I really have been remiss in doing over the last couple of years of lockdown. I really haven't been keeping an eye on what's going on in the far East. Mm. I need to check in with my neighbors in the Far East. You did not choose to wake up out of whatever you went through over the last two years with coronavirus and go check in on Ukraine. Mm. That was was given to you. That you did choose to now have to spend a lot of energy over your concern for masking policy in schools. You did have to choose to get involved or not. So these are the things that I want to talk about later in the show with with the hyper-normalization, that documentary. We've mentioned it several times on the show. I think it's the the choosing of of um, the prescribed choices, like what you're saying is you didn't get to choose to be suppressed you or not be suppressed. You didn't get to choose to feel badly about Ukraine. You didn't get to volunteer to shut down your business because that's what the science said, and you were a good person for doing it. You didn't get to choose to shut down your business or not shut down your business. Yeah, that's something that happened to us, and that's a traumatic event for a lot of a lot of people. Yeah, and I feel like that trauma just keeps getting triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I, I feel like we have this web. I'm trying to get to the center of the web of the show of all the different things that we're talking about that are all, and they all the same come thing. together and it yeah. has a lot. To, I think it has a lot to do with prescribed, our prescribed cognition. We are being given thoughts. We are being given emotions. Mm-hmm. We are being told the more technology explodes and in, in integrates with our lifestyle, the less control of it we have we we are losing control of these tools that we should have control. we should have the internet as a free marketplace of thought and interaction mm. between our neighbors where we can share data and share recipes and share news and share emotional stories and share money with each other but instead it's being suppressed you're only allowed to fund things that the overlords think that you're mm. allowed to fund right. you're only allowed to hear one side of the news story you're only allowed to care about this thing because if we're talking about Ukraine on Facebook this week and you start posting LGBTQ stuff you need to wait till fucking June uh-huh because don't you care about Ukraine? I noticed you right. you you put some some save the sea turtles thing on your profile photo, not a blue and yellow Ukraine. Are you doing that? Like there are people on Facebook who would specifically get mad at you for putting a different profile frame on right now. Yeah, get with the program. You got to wear a star right there. So I have another post um, to illustrate this issue people are struggling with, and then mm. I'll open the floor back up. Okay, good. Um, so I read a really funny Facebook post um, called, uh, oh, Nicole Johnson on YouTube says, in other words, we have consequences for actions we didn't choose. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Yeah. In a wide variety of things. That's a nice way of putting it. Thank mm-hmm. you. Then the consequence might be the death of a longstanding family business and your inability to pay for your home anymore. Or the f- a complete fracture of a family over an opinion on the story that was given to you. It was given to you. It was given yeah. to you, or um, by disreputable sources. By the way, I don't think crippling that's a, going health, too far to say that crippling mental health days where you can't go to work to buy, to get money to buy groceries because you are so grieved about what's going on in Ukraine. Mm. Like, mm. has anybody checked in on what's going on in Africa this week? Or what's like, happening in Syria right children now? Children are still starving in or other Yemen. places on the planet. Or <laughs> like, what happened to Palestine? How come people aren't don't have the Palestinian right. flag all over all their stuff? So, so like, that's something to think about. Yeah, I'm not advocating that we just become 
useless bleeding hearts for everything going on in the world. Mm. I think there's another alternative. I think what we've been talking about this season is about getting local, decentralizing the revolution and getting local and healing ourselves and revolting locally. Yep. Revolting is not the right word. Uh, Rebelling. uh, I don't like rebelling because that's a reaction to. uh, Revolutioning. Vanguarding. (laughs) okay so anyway i saw this other i saw this comedy post on facebook and i saw the comedy post it was a screenshot of a reddit thread right because that's all facebook is is a place where people regurgitate content created somewhere else so it was a screenshot of a reddit thread where somebody's like y'all ever think about what absolute mad decadence we live in that vanilla means plain or boring and then he goes on a rant about the historical the historicity of vanilla and how expensive it is and how rare the plant is and how much work has to go into creating the flavor of vanilla so we can have vanilla things. And then we go and we talk about vanilla sex like it's a bad thing. Right. You know? And so I saw that and mm. I shared that with a couple of friends, like yuck, yuck, a sex joke about vanilla, blah, 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 and some history. Yay. And then a couple of days later, I saw this same girl had edited her post sharing this screenshot of the vanilla conversation and turned comments off on her Facebook post on her comedy page on Facebook where she shares comedy posts. Mm. And this is what she said. Um, edit. I'm closing comments on this one. My mental health feels fragile right now with all the suffering going on in Ukraine. This is a white girl living in the U.S. Mm. My mental health feels fragile right now with all the suffering going on in the Ukraine and the sudden presencing of injustices past and present related to our food consumption in the West sent me down a spiral. I know it's not quote unquote normal to share mental health struggles with tens of thousands of strangers, the people that sign up for her comedy Facebook page, but I wanted everyone to know why I'm closing comments. It would feel weird to turn off notifications for my own post. And I am unfortunately checking social media all day long right now because I'm trying to lease my apartment and sell all my shit and this is an effective platform for doing that thank you to all of you who have brought new knowledge to folks who didn't have an awareness already i hope some of you dm each other to continue learning i just can't be the host for the conversation right now i love this group and your passion for justice along with plants so it's not a comedy page it's a interesting facts about plants page right so vanilla being a plant um but that just like threw me for a loop like I am recognizing in this moment, in that moment, Mm. my privilege, my mental health privilege, that I am not getting sucked into the presencing of the suffering past and present in the Ukraine. Because presencing is a really great all-encompassing word for you are suddenly being made aware of something that's going on. You are suddenly being made aware of something that has been going on. Has been going on, right. So the presencing of past and present suffering is 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 wrecking her is wrecking her to the point that she has to stop people from talking about Ukraine on this post mm-hmm. because they had started a conversation about it right and how it went like Vanilla is so decadent, but we call vanilla sex lame and boring. And then people started talking about, well, the West has always been really decadent and taken food and wasted food and been ungrateful, and that's why Ukraine. And they just like went right. into this whole like, Bleh. and then the beloved girl that runs this group in the favor of plants and comedy became aware of how shitty the West has been and how horrible it is in the Ukraine to such an extent that she was unable to function anymore. Okay. Yes. How, how does that make you feel? I was like shook, really concerned. In what way? Um, 
it was a good reminder for me that I have done a lot of work having grown up in a world where people were telling me what to think all the time. I have done a lot of work to make sure that other people can't tell me what to think. Mm. And there are a lot of neighbors out there who did not grow up in a group where they knew they were being told what to think, like the religious group that I grew up in that was telling me the earth was only six to 10,000 years old, the Noah's flood wiped out all the animals except the ones on the boat. They told me what to think about science and geology and mm. relationships and heaven. And then I realized that I had been being told what to think and that I could actually choose what I wanted to think and make and like create a protective membrane around my mind where I have my mind and my thoughts inside and outside is where I evaluate information and thoughts before I decide whether I'm going to take it into my mind and make it one of my thoughts or one mm. of my beliefs. And a lot of people who have never experienced what I experienced growing up where you were being told what to think all the time don't have that protective membrane around their mind and their thoughts. And so they haven't developed a habit of evaluating information before they take it into themselves. Questioning the reality of the story. Questioning Even though the, uh, it is factual that the West is completely flippant and egregious about food right. and that the East is suffering. Those things are true. But the fact that it overwhelmed her mind to the extent that she had to set up boundaries to stop it rather than being able to prevent it from overwhelming her mind and her life in the first place. Mm. Her life where for some reason she's moving and she's got to sell her stuff on Facebook and she has friends she's got to say goodbye to and a job change and all that stuff. But for some reason now, because of whatever her mental health habits have or have not been, mm. she was completely overwhelmed and overtaken by this new awareness of something going on in the world. And I don't like that. I don't like that for people. Isn't that sort of the core of what we do on this show is talking about the, the terrain around that territory? So this is somebody who was maybe really not hip to the depravity of aspects of our culture. The fact that the U.S. throws away twice right. as much food as we consume. They're not hip to that. They get hip to that. And then it's like, it's a sinking feeling. It's a loss. It's like an ocean wave that overtakes you. You have to mourn the loss of a reality because you, you thought the world was a better place than that or that mm. your authorities were better people than mm. that or that the system was not as crazy as that. Mm. And then when that hits you, then you have to mourn the loss of a whole reality and everything that was connected to that has to be reconfigured. You have to realize the earth is a little bit nastier than you thought it was. And this is the problem with what's happening with this mass forma formation psychosis is that people got sucked into a zeitgeist that's not based in reality. It's not, it's, it's not based in facts. It's based in emotion. And it's based in um, a particular story, a simplified story of a very complex situation. And the simplification has made it dangerous because people are not um, exploring some options that are not in the black and white category. Yeah. So I, I think that there's that phrase that people go mad in mass, but they only come out one by one and slowly. They only regain sanity singly. And slowly. It's like, and yeah. so it's people like that having that moment. And that's the moment that we talk about on our show where when you realize you either like shut down that avenue of exploration and just live with the lie as a band-aid to connect all those things that were connected to the lie. 
Because if you get rid of that lie, then you have all these other aspects of your life that have to be rearranged. So that's the doubling down mm-hmm. on cognitive dissonance. So she had cognitive dissonance, and now she either has to go explore it and reshape her reality or put a Band-Aid over it and just not think about that part mm-hmm. so much. And what I'm realizing is my my loved ones, my neighbors on the planet, are just getting drained. Like they're being sucked like by a vampire. And they they think... We all, a lot of us, think that we have unlimited resources to give. I care, therefore I can keep caring. I can continue to keep caring. And so I think a lot of people, um, like Morgan and her group Phytomimetics, Mm. um, a lot of people find out about some shitty thing going on on the planet and start caring. Right. Trump did that to a lot of people. They start caring. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get locked into caring right. about that thing. Trauma and then, yep. And then they feel better about the pain that that adjacent suffering is causing them because they are expending energy to care about it mm. or change their profile picture or to rent an Airbnb in Ukraine to give people money or whatever it is. Like they f- and then the next thing comes along, and then you are asked to care about this thing. Care, Pride care Month, here now. Save right. the Sea Turtles. Um, some politician being mean to children, whatever it is. And then pretty soon you are being constantly drained to put information and caring out into issues out there. And you're turning into a mental health crisis Mm. and a physical health crisis because none of your caring is going into yourself and none of your caring is going, and you feel like an asshole if you do. Right. Because how could you know about this thing and not, do something about it. It's. I think it's the feeling has to be similar to a kind of like mental rape. Ooh. Where this you is what were I was led, sort of you were, about. your consciousness was taken over yeah. through emotional manipulation mm-hmm. where you had to care. Yes. The perceptual destate, you have to care. You have if to you care. don't care, you're an asshole. You, you know you're not an asshole, so you have to fucking care. And that trap... It's like a Chinese finger trap they go in when they realize that, wait a minute, I didn't have to get locked into this and I was manipulated into this Mm. and I was told how to feel about real things in ways that were not good for me or those things. You wasted a ton of energy and weren't actually able to make very much of a difference in the Ukraine. Realizing that you had your cognition taken over by a narrative that you didn't think about. I'm not saying not to care. I'm not saying not to care. It's really, this is, this, that's why I feel, it feels like a mental rape. There's a way to do it that is, that is sovereign. There's a way to do it that is effective. That Mm. is, um, a sustainable use of energy and caring. Hmm. I, we're being led around by, uh, by our nose right now, the way that they're doing it. The nose of our convictions. Yes, absolutely. Convictions cause convicts. Um, can we talk about perceptual uh, um, hypernormalization? Yeah. I want to go to, we've talked about this movie a few times. Hypernormalization is a movie, came out in 2016 by Adam Curtis. You may have feelings about Adam Curtis. You may like him. You may say he's not a historian, whatever. I look at him as a person who creates compelling narratives. Again, take him with a grain of salt, but I find his narratives to be very compelling. This is a documentary uh, called Hypernormalization that was put out in 2016. I believe it was before the election. 
But in the documentary, uh, Adam Curtis deals with Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin as um, sort of beginning, middle, and end pieces. And he kind of called out what happened since 2016. He called out what was happening in Russia, this Russia style of misinformation, disinformation, and was alluding to the fact that Trump was going to be the purveyor of it here mm. in the U.S. Um, the descriptor for hypernormalization says, uh, 2016 BBC documentary by British filmmaker Adam Curtis. It argues that governments, financiers, and technological utopians have, since 1970, given up on the complex real world and built a simpler fake world run by corporations and kept stable by politicians. It is easier to manage what we want to happen on the globe with corporations and governments rather than actually allow true democracy. Right. So this, I feel, is the one of the best descriptors of where we are in terms of what the tensions are that people are dealing with. We live in a fake world, and it's managed, our perceptions are managed to believe the fake world is fake. But there is, this is the system collapse that I've been talking about. But there's a natural world that is beyond the definition of the narrow organic fake Organic communications, organic emotions, organic awareness of what's going on around Phenomena you. we haven't discovered and named and titled mm-hmm. yet. Science didn't figure it all out. There's stuff going on. And I feel like we're looking at the calcification of reality into this fake thing that has to shift or break. Uh, because of the pressure of the natural world. You know, you can only have, you have some loud minority people. You know, this is what the way it was in politics before even we got into the COVID narrative. It was the loud vocal 10% of the right or the loud vocal 10% of the left that defined the narrative for the other 80% of the country. And then we're told that those two 10% represent half of the country. Mm. And that's the fake world that's being upholded by loudmouths. When most people know that this is kind of bullshit, but they don't know what to do about it. You talk to anybody on who they're going to vote for in the next election for president. They're like, I wish there was a moderate. I wish there was an independent. I wish we could get out of the two-party system. Well, I really like this one guy, but he'll never but win. Cause... He'll never win, right. <laughs> so you, so hypernormalization is a great breakdown of what uh, Putin's wizard, uh, Sarkov, Vladimir Sarkov, I think was his name, um, who came from avant-garde theater and used aspects of avant-garde theater to uh, socially engineer Russia for the Putin regime. And how he would do that was fund a Nazi group that was getting some action and make sure they get news coverage. Mm. And then then fund the reaction to the Nazis and make sure they get news coverage and become a part of the story. And pretty soon everybody has to have an opinion about what's going on. You can't be ambivalent about Nazis. No. You can't be uh, ambivalent about about the gay. You must either boycott Disney or sign up for Disney. So, and then what they did after doing that, this is the the plan. This is the 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 propaganda uh, style of Russia with Putin was getting people into hyper partisan camps, and then revealing that it had been engineered. So that. So that people no longer know what to believe, what to think, and are disheartened to even get involved anymore. Mm. Because we don't know if that's real either. 
So it alienates people from the story, from being involved in the shaping of the reality that we live in. You screenshotted some comments that uh, yeah. goes along with that theme. Yeah. So the comments, this is the first comment and the sub-comments on the page when I just went and found the hyper-normalization uh, YouTube video. Um, and this guy, uh, Mr. Data, uh, in a... Nah, that's, nah, that's wrong. wrong. He says, this doc filled me with feelings of hopelessness and depression. I highly recommend it. <laughs> a lot of people think that that the answer has to be solving all the things. Caring all the thing, caring about all the things or solving all the things. Right. Like, what am I doing? I'm I'm not an asshole. I don't not care, but I'm also not trying to solve all the things or care about all the things. Mm. I I yeah, I'm I wanted to read the response that Dan Brown had to. Oh, yeah. He said, this filled me with feelings of hopelessness and depression. I highly recommend it. And Dan Brown says, that is its purpose. You are too small and insignificant, and the world is too chaotic. So just let Adam Curtis and the globalists who fund him define reality for you and by doing so control you. Oh, shit. So he's, <laughs> he's even undermining, he's flipping the script again. Again. So Adam Curtis is like, look, we got to flip the script. You think this is happening. This is actually happening. And then Dan Brown comes along and says, the whole point of Adam Curtis is to make you think that you think you know what's happening now. Yes. Oh. Um, and that goes in with the theme of my morning this morning because I did have another link somewhere down. I had a link to uh, a video. Anonymous. Anonymous is this group, you know, that uh, sort of took on Scientology to flex their cyber muscles at hacking and figure out if they could take down large, powerful entities through the power of Internet wizardry. Yeah. And Scientology was just the test run. Let's see if we can do that, right? Um, and I've always felt like uh, Anonymous is one of the best misinfo, disinfo programs because anybody can be anonymous. All you got to do is blur your voice and steal the guy Fox mask and you're anonymous. Mm -hmm. And it makes people feel like they probably know what's going on now. So I followed Ano anonymous when it first came out, I was followed the whole story. I was really excited by the prospects of, you know, the renegade, the underground, the, the rebel Alliance, like being able to come in and say, fuck you to the big guys, taking down some big banks. You know, they were doing some really interesting stuff. Um, and then who knows, who knows if those people are even still alive or if that was a psyops itself. I don't know. Um, but they put out a video today uh, that I shared on, um, I think I shared it on the, I, I, actually I didn't share it uh, because it's one of those things, it's, it's a little cringy for me, um, but it's a video by Anonymous talking about um, what's happening in the Ukraine and Russia in kind of the style that Stonefruit Media was breaking things down but with much more uh, details. Um, and part of me thinks like, this seems like the narrative. This narrative makes sense. It's based in reality. I, I kind of want to share it, but then I s start to not want to share it because I don't know if this is a ruse within a ruse within a ruse. And if I share something by anonymous, that automatically puts you in a particular group divides to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. After the Russians secured Pentagon-run biolabs in Ukraine, the U.S. Embassy was caught deleting proof of this from their website. And when the Russians shared documents showing the Ukrainian Minister of Health ordering employees of these biolabs to destroy all deadly pathogens, 
U.S. Senator Marco Rubio asked the U.S. State Department if there was any truth to this. Undersecretary Victoria Newland not only confirmed the presence of the labs, but confirmed that they contain weaponized biological agents that they now fear the Russians will indiscriminately use to start a world war. The Pentagon calls them bio-research labs and containment labs and claim their clandestine operation is all somehow in self-defense. But they are admitting... So, the U.S. put biomedical research labs on the Russian border of Ukraine. Yes. Which, that's a question. That's a story. That's a question in and of itself. Why is the U.S. doing biomedical research in Ukraine? Funded by the Defense Department, I believe, and the Department of Interior. And the U.S. is only ever going to do good things with those biomedical weapons. Yeah. But the Russians will definitely only ever do bad things. Right. That's the story. Fascinating. Go further. Admittedly creating and storing weaponized biological material. And so these biolabs are in violation of Article 1 of the Prohibition on Biological Weapons. During the past couple years, citizens of the world have been getting an advanced education on bioweapons. <laughs> and the very same crooks we see foisting the Great Reset medical tyranny are involved in the Ukrainian bioweapons labs. We're not taking off yet? Okay. What? Just waiting for the screen to blank out <laughs> now that we said the Great Reset since they didn't want to show it earlier. Go further. This is all being paid for with tax dollars through the Pentagon's Defense Threat Reduction Agency. So I'd like to point out that so far, this person, whoever they are, yeah, has only, only shared information that is provable with government documents Correct. from various governments. Correct. All of these things so far are true, even though he's got creepy music underneath, Urgh. even though he's using an intense voice. Yeah. Even though it's like a bogus video with a title in all caps that your friends would definitely he doesn't not have forward. hairspray and an American flag behind yep. him for the video. Probably yeah. some sort of Trumpist bullshit. <laughs> but, but we yep. have to acknowledge that so far, it feels factual. He's referenced government documents that yeah. I could go and look up. Yeah, I've looked up. I've already gone into some of this stuff. He's putting it together. The DTRA, U.S. company Black and Veatch has been working closely with the DTRA building bioweapons labs since 2003. Black and Veatch share an office in Kiev with Metabiota, who signed an $18.4 million contract with Black and Veatch in 2014. Metabiota got their start in 2015 with funding from Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners, who gave Metabiota $30 million to help protect the world from the spread of epidemics. This is the very same (laughs) Rosemont Seneca that was mysteriously wired $3.5 million from the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. And the very same (laughs) Metabiota partnered with Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance, the group that Dr. Fauci used to funnel money to the Wuhan lab for gain-of-function research in 2004. Getting that. 2014. Mm-hmm. These are things that we know happened. Yeah. Dark and I have been talking about them for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> and other people have been talking about them even longer. What's the name of that really great group that put Drastic. This? Drastic. It's an acronym, but Drastic 
was like, there seems to be some fuckery afoot. And they went and looked at it all. It started in 2014. And put it all yeah. together in a website with documents and data. In the spring of 2020. In the spring of 2020. Yeah. Like, they're like, it looks as though we know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> they figured it out. And yeah. this is, and now this, this is connecting it all to our current story of Ukraine. Uh, Stone Crew <coughs> Media is throwing a challenge out. Okay. Regarding the bioweapons, while we are on the subject of false flags, explain the quote-unquote dozen ballistic missiles that hit Erbil Airport near the USA consulate. Have you heard that story? Okay, the story is, uh, yeah, our consulate in Iraq just got bombed. We, and we haven't By heard anything. who? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So it's in Iraq. So somebody who's not happy with us being in Iraq, which is probably Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> I would think. So, okay. So that's a, a story I haven't heard about because we're really only caring about Ukraine right now. Well, that's he's saying, okay, is this a false flag? So they bombed the building. We don't know who got killed. Maybe they just had everybody go have tea and then they blew it up and say, it, oh my God, we got bombed. We don't know. It says it hit the airport near the USA consulate. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a story. Is it a false flag or did some people in Iraq get really finally get mad and say, ha ha, we're going to kick America while they're down and we're going to go kick them in the balls over in Iraq. Let's see. I don't know. I haven't followed that story. Five hours ago, at least a dozen missiles fired from Iran struck, ah. struck near a U.S. consulate compound being built outside of Erbil. Okay. In Iraq. So looks like we got a better... Fire up them nukes. We haven't heard about Iran in a long time. We've got to bring it back into the story we, or people forget that we're supposed to not like them. Are we still occupying Iran? We're not. I, we're, we're sanctioning them or something. Well, I'm going to say the, occupying because that's what happens when one country goes into another country. We're not in Iran. We're in Iraq. Okay. We're not in Iran. Okay. Iran is always like, fuck you. And we're always like, fuck you. <laughs> that's just been, since we overthrew their government wow. in 1956 uh, and installed a dictator that converted them from a liberal progressive society back to a fundamentalist uh, Taliban society hmm. or whatever their, whatever their particular brand is. Um, yeah, they've been a little mad. There's, there's a lot of them there are mad at us because they're the new zealots. And a lot of them there are mad at us because we created a culture with a bunch of new zealots. Right. So they have all kinds of reasons to be mad at the U S. So the question from stone Fruit media is, what do you think? Do you think it's Israel or U.S. deep state false flag actions to draw uh, attention? I can't even comment at this point. <laughs> I don't. I don't know enough. I, I mean, it's really easy for me to look at the larger, the larger, um, like trauma hooking that's going on, where they just have to keep boosting people's adrenaline for some mm-hmm. reason uh, to have a bunch of feelings. I but I don't know. I don't know enough about the story to really comment on what it could be or how or what the story is behind it. So I found this awesome in my Twitter thread. Yeah. Um, when we were talking about misinformation and disinformation, mm. it, it popped up as a thing that we might want to read. Okay. Uh, how to verify information involving the war in Ukraine, according to fact checkers and experts. Oh, isn't that nice? Fact checkers and experts. Yeah. Some, uh, some you know, those experts. guys have been so great for the last two years. Experts. Let's go see what they're up to today. Experts. Yeah. They are just existing as experts. You don't need to know who they are or what, who decided that they're experts. Uh, so this is First Draft at First Draft News, created in 2021. Learn more at firstdraftnews.org slash training. 
Disinformation, when people intentionally create false or misleading information to make money, have political influence, or maliciously cause trouble or harm. Okay. All right. Misinformation, when people share disinformation, but they don't realize it's false or misleading, often because they're trying to help or want to feel that they are part of a community. It's so interesting, these two terms, because I I think I would put them on different groups than this fact check would put them on. Huh. <laughs> Is it in concordance with what our friend, the ethical skeptic, was talking about? Let's see. First draft says, a large amount of mis- and disinformation has circulated on social media in multiple languages over the past few days regarding Ukraine. Trustworthy information is as important as ever in times of crisis. So here are our top tips and tools. Oh, good. First of all, be wary of the difference between misinformation and disinformation. Precise language is important, e.g. propaganda can fall under the umbrella of disinformation. And let's see the rest of their tips and tools. Second, visual misinformation gains a lot of attention. We've seen time and again old photos and videos recirculated during times of crisis, which can cause more chaos and confusion. Preventing this can be as easy as running a reverse image search. I also agree that you should not just reshare things without checking to see if they're true. (sighs) You can run reverse image searches on a few different engines. Going deeper, you can run checks on all of our five pillars of visual verification. Okay, imposter accounts. If you decide to share falsified visuals as part of a debunk, make sure to use an overlay to prevent the image from being recirculated out of context. Mm. So this is about responsible internet usage. Mm. Right. Where did this information come from? And making sure that you're resharing things that are accurate. How not to report on Russian disinformation. Finally, you may come across distressing imagery and how to work with traumatic imagery. This is very interesting. Um, I agree with all the things they're saying. Yeah. Who's funding them? Who who are these people? Yeah, we'll have to look them up later and report back. Okay. Um, I added a meme to the bottom of the the notes page. Um that I found this morning. I thought maybe we'd go over this. This is the Free Thought Project. Let's see how accurate they are with their four propaganda techniques everyone should know. Okay. Uh, number one, active activate strong emotions. Propaganda plays on human emotions, fear, hope, anger, frustration, sympathy, to direct people toward a desired goal. Propaganda is a mind game. Number two, uh, simplify information and ideas. Successful propaganda tells simple stories that are familiar and trusted, often using metaphors, imagery, repetition, and short phrases to make them seem true and to substitute critical thinking. Make America great again, blue no matter who. Yeah. Make America great again, blue no matter who. Uh-huh. Safe and effective. Safe and effective. Safe and effective. Uh, respond to needs and values. Uh, number three, creating effective propaganda that appeals directly to the needs, hopes, fears of specific groups makes it personal and relevant, and which also makes people pay attention and absorb information. Mm. And number four, attack opponents. Attacking opponents creates an us-versus-them mentality, which suppresses the consideration of more complex information and ideas. People are naturally attracted to conflict, which can serve as a form of political warfare to discredit people or groups. So... 
We are not here on post-orthodoxy um, talking about current events for the purpose of deciding what is really going on. Right. Like, we are here trying to figure out how to think freely about current events. Now, part of that is what is going on. Is it this? Is it that? Who's saying what? Why are they saying it? Who's paying who? Why are they paying them? Mm. What history do they have? Who are they connected to? And out of that may come an opinion or a perspective on what is potentially going on with something in the world. However, that is not the point. This isn't a news show. No. Um, and although we do talk about the news all the time, it is not a news show. This is this is a thought show. And it's about going through stuff like this, the four propaganda techniques everyone should mm. know, and being creating a safe enough place for yourself in your mind and psyche where you can evaluate whether or not you have experienced those things mm. and be willing to accept that you have potentially been propagandized. Because if you cannot get to a place where you accept that you have been potentially propagandized, you will never be free from propaganda. And that's what we're about. I, I consider this show a journalistic record of our journey to fig, try and figure out what the fuck is going on. Not to understand it, but to try to understand how to figure it out. It's the process of understanding, the process of trying to sift what is real from what is absolute, complete, provable bullshit. Um, the process is what we're about more than the end of the I... process. There's think, always some fuckery going on to talk about. I want to build community by breaking free of dogmatic thinking and helping my neighbors become free of dogmatic thinking. Um, and dogmatic thinking is anything you're not allowed to question. Mm. You know, like I think we can build community and heal from trauma by questioning things that we think are the truth and not letting thoughts rule our minds, but instead find a way for our minds to rule our thoughts. Uh, Deb on Twitch says, the global deep state is the only narrative with eight plus billion collateral hostages, most of whom, including me, are expendable. Mm. I think that's very true, Deb. I think it's unfortunate and it's true. And a lot of people don't want to think about it because then what does that mean about you? If I acknowledge that I'm expendable in the machinations of the planet... That's a shitty valley of the shadow of death to have to go through before you get to a place where you feel empowered to do anything again. Yeah. I, I think the term, it's been fun for me to see the term narrative make such a, uh, an appearance. Make people so angry. <laughs> on the scene. Um, because people started, we started calling it that. A, n a number of other people were calling, the corona, calling it the coronavirus narrative. Um. Instead of saying it's the news, we know that it is a constructed narrative. There's a difference between news, which should be facts that uncoupled from emotions, and a narrative, which is facts coupled with emotions. Right. So. And spin doctrine. I, I, I'm glad to see that people are considering the narrative instead of just trying to figure out what is going on, because it's really... Nobody, I don't think anybody knows what's going on. The Adam Curtis movie, that's the whole point of that movie, is that the world's too complex for us to actually interface the world to the constituents or to the consumers or whoever you want to call the people. Um, and eventually that, like, it's an impressive bubble. It's an impressive reality bubble. 
You know, I, I, I think it's amazing. I'm always uh, amazed at the sophistication of the engineering of entire nations. Yeah. Where we'll go along with a story that is easily disprovable, but we'll just do it because of the bulldozing of it. So and, I'm and impressed people, with that. That's why people have this idea um, that doctors agree, scientists agree. Scientists agree. They agree that the vaccine is safe. Scientists agree that... While they're censoring scientists and and journalists and uh, doctors and experts right. that do not agree. Because, because there's a massive machine that is funding and pushing and supporting that story. But there is not a massive machine of governments and corporations funding, pushing, and supporting anybody else's story. Because their stories wouldn't make as much money. Mm. And that's what it all comes down to. And like for me, it's very relieving to feel as though I have an understanding of what's going on on the globe. And it's, a, it's like pretty fucking simple. And it makes a lot of fucking sense. Um, it's about money. And the people that have the money want to have more money. And they'll do whatever they want with the 8 billion collateral hostages to get more money. Mm. Whatever that is, it doesn't fucking matter. And that's very simple to me. It's not like some complex evil mastermind with a traumatic past trying to blah, 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 <laughs> you know, speechify and like. Klaus Schwab is doing a good job of sort definitely of. Definitely looks like it. Doing the su- super, I'm sure he has a traumatic villain. past. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's actually really fucking simple. And I think the more people that we can show evidence to mm. that it's a really fucking simple story that there's a bunch of people with a lot of money who want to have more of the money and they're running the planet in a way where they can get more money. Mm. We, uh, one of the things that our leftist friends hate to talk about is how Trump didn't start a war Mm. on purpose. Mm -hmm. That was one of his things was that he was not going to take the U S to war. Yeah. Weird Republicans getting tired of going to war. Mm. That's a weird thing that's happening. It's a new thing. Mm -hmm. And Democrats that are always seem to be pro war now for every war. But, um, now we're getting the war machine up and running again. Yeah. And, and it's like, why? And people like you and me, well-meaning people want to think that the why is because there's something bad going wrong and the U S is going to go and solve that thing oh. because I'm a nice person. And if I saw some, if I was going to go and smack a brother, it'd be cut. It'd be because that guy had done something wrong. So the nation's motivations must be the same as mine. Yes. Because yes. the nation is made up of people like me who Good would only folk. go smack someone because they've done something wrong. Right. If the U S is going to go smack someone, it must be because they've done something wrong. And so when the news tells you, here's a wrong thing that that nation did, that's why we should go smack them. You, you believe it because that was what you were assuming would be happening anyway. When Righteousness. Insta- yes. When instead, what's actually going on is that war makes a lot of fucking money. Yeah. And the people that make money off of war want to keep making money off of war. Imagine that. It's not very, it's, it's not like complicated. This is a war between the military industrial complex and the uh, uh, medical industrial complex fighting for dollars from governments and like, or, you know, again, like Republicans and Democrats, you know, (laughs) pretending to be opposed Mm -hmm. to each other. Um, and this is only stuff I've come to over the last couple of years. Can you go to that Luke, uh, Yamaguchi tweet that I put in there? Um, at the beginning, at the end. Oh, it's, it's, it's above the relative privation memes. This This is the one that doesn't make any sense. Luke Yamaguchi. Oh, 
Above my relative privation memes? No, above mine. Ah, gotcha. So there's uh, this guy, Luke Yamaguchi. I just ran across him today. Ah, gotcha. Um, and he's f- taken a screenshot of a tweet that was banned by Twitter and then reshared it on Twitter, which I'm, I, I don't know how long that will be up. That's awesome. Um, but he said, as of March 4th, and what he has in this thing is a, is a screenshot from a CDC database uh, from the VAERS Adverse Event Recording System results. So this is an official document. He shares a screenshot, a screenshot, <laughs> screenshot of an official document. Uh, and he says, as of March 4th, there have been 25,158 deaths. 28, Not counting 000, miscarriages. Right. 28,697 life-threatening adverse events. 46,000 515 cases of permanent disability and over 260,000 hospitalizations and ER visits following COVID-19 vaccination reported to, and these are the ones that are reported, to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting Program. And Which is then, not a global system. No. That is the U.S. The and US a few system. select countries that choose to report. Uh, and then Twitter tagged him misleading Learn why health officials consider COVID-19 vaccines safe for most people. Oh, they're not saying safe for everyone anymore. Right. Weird. Safe. So even though their results say there's this much damage, it's at least. C- it's that CDC has, data. Right. right. <laughs> and they're saying it's misleading. This tweet can't be replied to, shared, or liked. No. So he's not even allowed to get feedback from his community that On they like what he right said. Whether it's right or wrong or true or not. So he just screenshots it and does it again. So I that's an example of this, a per, complete perceptual destabilization. Who are you supposed to listen to? The authority or the authority censoring the authority? Hmm. Which authority is now the one you listen to? Right. The CDC? No, because the CDC's information is misleading because experts? It feels as Who are the experts? It's just a campaign to make make sure you know you can't figure it out yourself. Sorry, this even is tar- though, too complex for you. Even though there's data showing exponentially more injuries from these treatments than any other vaccine the U.S. has produced in its history. Actually, all other vaccines All produced. of them together. Yeah. Exponentially more injuries are being reported. But... And the CDC admittedly goes through and cleans out bogus reports regularly. They're desperately doing that. They're constantly leaving, putting up notifications like, by the way, we've gone through VAERS and cleaned out a bunch of bogus reports. Like, they're trying to shave this down to as oh, yeah. small of numbers as possible. Right. But that, that, that's, that, this was just put up, I don't know, a day or two ago. and So even though the data is showing a shit ton of injuries, you shouldn't think that that means you are able to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Experts say it's fine. <coughs> Whew. So that's an example of the mis-dis. That's disinformation. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure which one... Like who to not like, like two authorities. That's perceptual destabilization. (coughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Uh, Well, are we done? Well, it's been fun doing a show with you. I feel like we did like this all encompassing thing (coughs) about social media and like 
what yeah. what do we do? I think uh, I'd like to advocate for my friends and loved ones to advocate mm. to their friends and loved ones to not get your news from social media. Oh Jesus Christ! Like, like I I don't, don't know who I'm not seeing. <laughs> right. Because I know I have people who are like, ah, I'm spanked, and then I don't see. You know, I don't know what got them spanked, and and sometimes I don't know that they've been spanked. They just right. disappear from my life. Yeah, for a little while. For a little while. Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, people are like, no, I don't get news from social media. I read articles that people share on social media. And it's like, no, no, nope, nope, nope. I want, here's what I want you to do. I want you to aggressively hide every post a friend makes that is talking about global news, global, any news. To to what? Just insist that your Facebook account is only for pictures of your friend's babies and pets. Mm. And their high school graduation of their grandkid. And they just started a new business. The memory when you look good in a bikini. Yes. Only those things. Only for actual social interactions. Mm. And insist upon it. Just keep hiding those posts. The algorithm will get the hint. Mm. If you only interact with social content, like actual stuff going on in your loved one's lives, it will it will get the hint to start feeding you that instead of if you don't interact, don't click on them. Don't click on the links. Don't open the image to read the meme better. If it's about global events and like something like if your, if your gay best friend from high school shares an article about Disney, not standing up for the kids in Florida against this. Don't say gay bill. Don't click it. Mm. You don't need to read that article to be supporting your gay best friend and being gay. But you uh, should you, absolutely put a heart on his photo of him and his boyfriend getting married. You need to read it in order to be emotionally engaged, to feel the emotional engagement, to feel like you have something to fight. If you see something... Uh, injustice, I can be a hero and fuck like, those guys. What's the don't say gay bill? Go to an incognito window in Chrome. Yep. Go to duckduckgo.com. Oh, by the way, DuckDuckGo is now... Um, censoring their searches. God damn it. He just came out last week and said, basically, we're only you know coming from approved sources are going to get primary. So DuckDuckGo just lost its Fuck that shit. randomness. Well, try. Sorry sorry to interrupt, but try. just news bullshit. Try. Yeah. Use three search engines. Yeah. And just look up Don't Say Gay and read, read three articles from three different sources. You know, and then think about them and then don't say anything and then think don't post it. anything on Facebook and then have a friend over for coffee who's gay and ask them what <laughs> right, they think yeah. about the don't say gay yeah. bill. But don't put it on Facebook. Fa- insist upon our social media as being for our social community, not a place where we just oh. spread the flavor of the day of what we're supposed to be feeling emotional about, but never actually connect with each other on things that we agree or disagree about. It's so hard not to look at the car wreck. Don't it's, do it. It's so hard not to look at the car Put your wreck. foot down for yourself. Put your foot down for yourself. I don't know if I can practice that. Like, I, I want to practice that. I think it's, yes. But I also like the car wreck too much. Well, you are forming a job for yourself where you are hoping to get paid by our loyal listeners to evaluate what's going on in the world and learn how to have critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. It makes yeah. sense for you. But... If somebody else is trying to like work at a bank and have three kids or run a curry truck and um, play music with his friends, like those people don't need to know about the sea turtles in Florida. Okay. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying out a radical perspective here. Yeah. 
I don't need to know about the don't say gay bill in Florida. I have no voting rights in Florida. Mm. I don't really even know anybody in Florida. Maybe one person, two, three people. You know, like, I don't need to know about that. It's horrible. Me canceling my Disney Plus subscription is not going to do shit. Mm. Mm. But I can absolutely care about my trans friends in Butte, my gay friends in Butte, my lesbian friends in Butte, my bisexual friends in Butte, the kids in Butte that are being suppressed and bullied at school because of antiquated sex education at our school in Butte. Mm. And I have voting power in Butte. Right. That's what I'm saying. Insist upon your caring about your community and what affects your community. And we can talk about how that makes people angry later because they're like, well, but... That's so selfish. Just caring about you and your friends. What about people that don't have anybody to care about them? That's what keeps getting us. Is this idea. What about the people that don't have anybody to care about them? So you better do it. And then suddenly you're not doing shit for the gay kids in Butte. The fallacy of relative privation. Just because there are worse things happening in the world doesn't mean other problems shouldn't be ignored. And I'm being even more radical. I think that you should ignore global problems and take care of local problems. Well, I think we're we're definitely uh, atomized out, so we don't have that idea of the group movement Mm -hmm. to change things as a groundswell group movement the way that we are right now. And I think that only happens from actually, I think it's about the natural system busting through a fake system, which is people actually coming together again and seeing each other and sharing ideas and sparking thoughts and collaborating and designing a, a world beyond the fake bullshit world that, mm. that they keep propping up with really bad plaster and duct tape. I play my own devil, devil's advocate all the time. Yep. It's, it's an it's a intentional practice of critical thinking. How would somebody disagree with me if they disagreed with me? I, think, I do mm. that on purpose. Mm-hmm. You can do that on purpose. So I want to hear what you guys think about what I said about stopped caring about the don't say gay bill in Florida and care about the gay kids in your town and care about your gay friends from high school whose parents won't come to their wedding. You go to their wedding. You spend money to go to their wedding. Don't spend money on some anti-Disney rally in Florida. Spend money so that you go to your gay friend's wedding because his parents won't go to it. I think it's a better return on investment. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think the first thing that comes up for me in my devil's advocate mind is what about the fact that I live in the U.S. and my government is doing shit to people in other countries? If you don't stop it over there, it's coming over here. That's the thing, right? Oh, no, no. I'm thinking my responsibility as a U.S. citizen, mm. I can't just be like, I'm not going to think about what's happening over there when it's my country doing it. Right. So I think maybe an avenue could be if you feel like you have so much energy and so much extra mental health and so much extra resources that after you've taken care of your well-being and your friends' well-being and your family's well-being and your town's well-being that you have extra left to give, then you could start thinking about what is the U.S. fucking up in my name globally? Mm. Yeah. Leave everything else off the table. Mm -hmm. I think if we could get people to do that in their countries – it would make a big difference. You know, the devil advocate is like, what about the starving children in Africa? So anyway, it's a topic we should talk about, talk mm. about some more. Mm. I want to hear your critiques. Yeah. Anybody been saying stuff that we need to get to in the comments? Mm. Stone fruit. Yeah. That was a while ago. Uh, he says, when you're born in America, you got front row seats to the freak show, mm. George Carlin. Mm-hmm. It's hard to look away. It's very hard to look away. It's an addiction, and yep. it gives you hormonal releases in mm. your brain. Mm. 
Fight it. Squish. Choose something else. Choose, choose actual community. Choose to use social media for what it was intended for, which is to keep in touch with your community. Mm. Not to be an agent in spreading emotional manipulation to your loved ones. Don't click. Only click on pet photos and baby photos and wedding photos and job photos. I, I, I think I, I personally do Unless that's need your to job. moderate. Unless well, that's your job. But I do kind of want, I'm kind of like, I'm starting to feel more and more dirty by even using Facebook mm. because of the way that they're being and the way they're manipulating reality and, and you know, deliberately disinforming yeah. people's You're allowing Facebook to tie you up and use you for its pleasure. I like Twitter, even though it's got some censorship problems too. Mm -hmm. I like Twitter better because that is even a bigger train wreck and faster. It's just like <laughs> just this feed of awesome original train wreck, not just like the same four things that are going around Facebook for a week. Like that stupid orange meme, that that relative privation now, orange hell, what, meme. What was that? Oh, all these people are just spreading it around. Like you know, don't bitch about the gas because you're not you know under rubble in a tunnel somewhere. Instead in of the complaining Ukraine. about gas prices going up, try feeling grateful you're yeah. sitting on a concrete just floor in a train terminal, holding your cat, and wondering if your home and everyone you love is below to bits. So that's being shared around as a virtue signal by my blue no matter who friends, mm. mostly. That's fallacy of relative privation. Yes. It does nothing for you to harm yourself for the sake of other people who are already being harmed. This is the squishing of You do not people. help. You don't help other people who are being harmed by harming yourself to match them. Mm. It's okay to have a hard time paying for gas money. I mean, it's okay to acknowledge that you are having a hard time and that it sucks. That's what I mean. Anyway, that was a logical fallacy I found this week, and I had to share. And then somebody's like, "Yeah, but the essence of it." And I'm like, "No, this is a this is called a logical fallacy for a reason because mm -hmm. it derails productive conversations, it makes people feel dumb, dumber than they are, and it prevents us from using our energies effectively. We could be making a difference in the world. We, those of us that have certain privileges, such as complaining about gas prices versus complaining about not having drinkable water." That's a privilege difference, mm. right? Um, so we can be using our energy to make differences. And instead, we're being largely emotionally manipulated to use to send our energy far away and have it be spread out and thin and largely useless and just rain down on the people of Ukraine in so many blue and yellow profile pictures that they can't see because they're on concrete floors and train terminals holding their cats. Mm-hmm. But it does make you feel like you're doing something. Maybe there's something that you could actually be doing for someone that you also love. Mm. Maybe someone you love more than the people of Ukraine. And this is not me dissing the suffering of the people of Ukraine. Not at all. Or the suffering of the people in multiple nations around the planet that are being bombed way worse than the people of Ukraine right now and ongoingly. If you can care about the Ukraine, then you can educate yourself and care about what we did to Iran and what we did to uh, every other country in South America, like um, knowing what happened is not convenient to stay in the current narrative. Mm. What do you mean by that? Um, I think I got lost there a little bit somewhere. <laughs> That's okay. So that happens. Third hit. We're, uh, we're humans. Yeah. Stonefruit Media says Adam Schiff during Trump's first impeachment actually said, we're fighting Russia over there in Ukraine, mm. so we don't have to fight them over here. 
WTF. Right. It's, a, it's a trope that keeps getting used. And, and then after afterwards, people make fun of it, of like, that was just a propaganda thing. And then they just do it again. Deb Lynch says, we make a difference one by one. Twas ever thus. Mm. I agree, Deb. So, yeah, I'm thinking a lot about local right now. I don't think I have a like a, a patented book prescription for how to go about decentralizing the revolution, as Ainsley says. Mm. But that's something I think about a lot, and I want to be looking for avenues to talk about that. People who are doing things that are outside the prescribed, people who are doing things that are in um, fly in the face of the narrative that um, the small fake reality of the corporate media, political, military nexus, that whole thing is really frail. And um, we don't have to be as frail as it is. I think these little falls of people having to start to realize where we are is how we actually get to see outside the fake reality. So even though it's hard for people, I think it's important to, I think what we're doing is important in terms of bringing awareness to uh, trauma awareness, understanding how that stuff works, understanding how it happens to people and how it happens to ourselves, and just being able to be kind to people who are starting to realize the world that they're living in is not the world they thought it was. And I think people have to realize how shitty things are before we actually start to have some ideas about what needs to be fixed. You guys that are here having these conversations and sharing thoughts with us, you're superheroes. You're doing, you're doing work. And there are other people on other podcasts and other um, groups on Facebook and other live streams that are also doing this kind of work. Um, if you need more content, we really like the Dark Horse podcast, mm. Heather Hang and Brett yes. Weidenstein. Um, and Joe Rogan is also an awesome interviewer. He yep. has a lot of loud opinions, but he does a really great job of bringing many different people into his podcast and interviewing them on post-Orthodox subjects. Mm -hmm. So like, there are people out there who are working on becoming king of their own minds. Mm. Give and, me all the perspectives. Yeah, and finding a way to not have emotions and events just hit you and take over your mind and you're doing that and you're helping your loved ones. You guys are taking what we all talk about here today and going out and helping your loved ones little bit by little bit in little conversations. And that's awesome. That's helping it. Helping doesn't have to be hard. I think there's this bullshit mindset in the West, this missionary martyr mindset that in order to help, I have to be suffering. So I'm not going to go and be a music teacher at an inner city school. I'm going to go and start a church in Uganda where people are shooting at me because that's really helping. That's mm. like more helping. That's like more, <laughs> more helping because I return on investment because I'm yes. hurting. I there must be pain. It's this this Puritan work ethic, Judeo Christian early American mindset. Of like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like if if you are not suffering while you're doing it, then it wasn't valuable. Uh, good things are worth the wait or good things are worth suffer. I, what's, I don't know what the phrase is cause I just reject it from my mind, but like you can actually do what is accessible to you to help someone that you care about that is accessible to you to care about and still have energy to take care of yourself and your pets and make food. Mm. Mm. And that's still helping enough. That is enough helping. You don't have to go into debt you don't have to have a mental health crisis. You don't have to work long nights. You don't have to entertain someone in your home that makes you uncomfortable. You can have people into your home that make that you are comfortable around and listen to their stories and give them your time. 
That is, that is helping enough. Helping doesn't, it's, it's still helping even if you're not suffering while you help that person. Right. Err. <laughs> it's been a fun ranting show. Yeah, this is nice. Uh, I don't know what we have coming up next, guys, but we appreciate you. Thanks for being here. Are you happy with our show today, Dark? I'm really happy with the show. It was nice to drop in, and thanks for everybody who participated in the conversation. Like, we have subscribe, special share. Coming up. You know how soon. it is. Thank you for visiting our Outpost in the Borderlands. Post-Orthodoxy is a project of Sevier Studios. We host ongoing, interactive conversations centered around cognitive liberty, and you can join in by catching one of our live streams on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. You can also catch each conversation after the fact as a podcast by searching for Post-Orthodoxy wherever podcasts are found. If you take value from the work we are doing and the community we are building together, you can support the Outpost in the Borderlands for as little as $5 a month on our website, BetterTime. That's betterti.me. Visit the Sevier Studios page and subscribe. You can also support The Outpost by following and connecting with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and or Substack. Our post-Orthodoxy theme music was composed by Frank Pascal, and a special thanks goes to our voice actors, Amelia, Colin, Zbo, Rosie, Gabo, Vicky, Mokai, and Tony. Thanks for playing. <laughs> What's outside your reality bubble? I think I dribbled a bit, that last one.